Hi, welcome to the Coffee Chat Show here on Buzzing Patia, the show where we talk about things that are happening right here, right now, as well as general news, information, tips and advice. Now, if you remember before Christmas, I said to you, I'm going to come back next year and bring some great people to the camera, to the Coffee Chat Show and do some interviews. And who better to start 2021 off than a good friend of mine, Brian, Brian Flowers. Brian, hello. How you doing, buddy? Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's been another year, isn't it? It's been five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were due to actually be in the uh, Queen Vic in Soy 6, but they booted us out. I mean, I thought, the, you know, Soy 6 of all places, surely you'd have had a bit more you know, clout in there. They wanted music on for their <laughs> invisible customers. Yeah, so that was it. So we got kicked out. So anyway, we're here at the Robin Hood. And uh, what I want to do is I just want to go through some, some history with you, Brian, and just talk about what you've achieved here, because you've achieved so much, and it really has been a journey. And I was very fortunate that I remember meeting you years and years ago. And uh, so I just want to cast your mind back. I mean, where are you originally from? I'm from Coventry originally, but I've, I've been, in, been here since I was 25, so it feels like I've had most, most of my life here. Yeah, and I remember when I met you, it was in uh, Secrets. Yeah, there was um, that was on a Friday bar call, and I think there was fifty plus people that came yeah. to that one. Yeah, it was mental. I remember that. But I mean, so you're from Coventry, Coventry to Thailand. How, how did that happen? Um, well, it's a long story, but I I was at uni in Worcester, and one of my friends wanted to go to India or yeah. Thailand, and he said a full moon party. So we followed the nice. full moon party route after watching the beach. And then I never went back to uni. He went back after two weeks. I stayed for three months. Wow. And then I just scrapped uni and I just said, this is my life. I'm going to make it work in Thailand. So when I went back, I quit uni mm. because I, I never went there to finish it anyway. I just went there for fun because I was making money online. Okay. So when I went to Thailand, I was partying. All my money online just went. Um, I had no income and I just went back to a difficult situation. And I mean, we're going to talk about how you built up the, the Nightwish group and all the other things you've done, because it's not just Nightwish. I mean, when you came here to, to live, I mean, what, what was your reaction from all your friends and the family back home when you said, well, I'm not coming back, I'm going to stay here? The reaction was perfect. I, you always um, do things to spite your family and to, <laughs> to spite all your friends and everyone just assumed, Very true. <laughs> assumed I was going to fail. And my auntie was just like, you're going there with £600, how are you going to live? And I just said, I'm going to worry about that when I get there. I, I had a forum, so it wasn't like I was just flying there randomly. Yeah. But, you know, I see a lot of guys coming here doing illegal things or just doing desperate stuff. Whereas I came here with a website, so mm. even though I get a lot of credit for it, I feel that I did come here with something. At least I had something to market. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about the website. I mean, obviously, I mean, I know the website. I mean, tell me a bit about your website, what it's all about, because... It is a really, really informative place. I mean, that's how I met you, through your website, and that's how I knew about the bar crawls and secrets. But you've got reams and reams of information. I mean, tell me a bit about it. Explain to everyone about how does your website work? What is it all about? Um, the Tire Addicts is about more like ladies, restaurants, hotels, mostly ladies, like um, the cultural differences, um, naughty things. Um, naughty things? Yeah, just like, you know, bar, bar chat. <laughs> yeah, be centred um, on this bit. <laughs> what did you do last night? Yeah. Um, some of the core of the form is trip reports, like real guys coming here and mm. talking about their experience and people relive their life, relive their trips through yeah. those trip reports. And I mean, paleo addicts, I mean, I'm a user myself. I've been on the, on the form now for many years. 
And like you say, I mean, it is a wealth of, of information. And if you haven't checked out Paddy Addicts, I'll put a link in the description below. Please check it out because it really is a good go-to place for all the information. So we, we fast forward a bit now. Let's, let's come up to 2021. You've gone from a website to how many bars do you own now? Well, um, Bataille Addicts went into um, one of the guys was into Ladyboys. So I helped him create Ladyboys Bataille and then Bangkok Lady Boys, and then he decided that he'll go a different direction, so I still had a percent in that, and we sold mm -hmm. it, and then we had Bangkok Addicts and Philippine Addicts, so all of that stuff um, gave me le leverage. As for the bars, um, the reason why I, I got into bars is because there was 120,000 members on Bataille Addicts. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And then I probably met about 5,000 people doing bar calls. Yeah. And then everyone kept on saying to me, why don't you have a bar? And I said, I don't want a bar. And I'm, <laughs> I, I consider myself an IT guy. You don't want a bar, but now you've got 25. <laughs> yeah, but it just changed all the time. You just change your mind. I think anyone professional or into business, some of my friends, I had an argument with one of my friends the other day, he was like, oh, you said never trust a man that doesn't drink. And I said to him, I said that, you know, when I was drunk seven years ago. <laughs> I said, I see the logic behind it. Yeah. And then we went into, like, talking about money laundering. And he said, well, back then you said that money laundering was going on around town. And now you say there isn't. I said, yeah, but I have access to different data now. Mm. I, I, my data changes all the time. So I went from, I went from one bar... Uh, because I thought, you know, I, I need a solid income. With working online, as you know, it's tough to like keep selling all the time. And then when I got my when I got the first bow, I thought, wow, I can have like a car payment now. I can plan my mortgage. I can plan my life. It was great. And then people just coming up to me saying, your bow's full. I want to invest. And that's when I started just saying, right, we'll get more then. And there's no limits with me. I'm not one of these guys that just saves. I want to employ people. I want to do things. So I put my money straight back out there. And I, and I just wanted to keep buying more bars. And I, then I've seen the advantages and the problems of having many bars. Sure. If you have one bar, you're buying yourself a job. If you have 10 bars, then you don't have to work. Mm. But obviously I do work because we need to keep updating all of our rules and improving the business all the time. And I mean, what was the feeling like? You know, obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm similar to yourself in terms of I came here and, you know, it was like, wow, this is an amazing place. I want to stay here. I don't want to go back home. But taking that first step, you know, you've come here with, what was it, 30,000 baht in your pocket and you've come here and you've got that situation in front of you now where you say, right, let's do this bar, you know. I mean, back in the day, was the risks involved in running a bar as, as hard as it is nowadays? I... What happened was I was I was here for six years doing other stuff, so it's only been the last seven years since I've had a bar. Okay. So I, I don't know back in the day, but a lot of bar owners used to tell me that they just opened their doors and it was the sales were just amazing. I had one guy that was always attacking me because he failed all of his bars and he was his narrative was that it's impossible to make money from bars now. But I've seen a lot of old school bar owners go under because they refuse to do social media. They refuse to do YouTube and they just, you know, I, I see why because because of the nature of the business. But sure. at the same time, you've got to you've got to help your staff to make money. You can't when you work for us, we're promoting you for free, just like YouTube promotes your videos for free. And what what I don't understand is other bar owners they have all this staff and then they can't pay them because 
they refuse to go down the social media route. I think is, I think it's quite selfish, really. And I mean, in, in terms of your bars, I mean, obviously you've got a huge uh, portfolio now of bars. What was your first bar? It was Nightwish Bar, that's why it ended up being called Nightwish Group. We, we didn't have a choice in that, people just called it Nightwish uh, Group. But I didn't, I wasn't interested in that name as a group, but we just inherited it. Okay, so the name was already there, you didn't think that name up? No, I tried to keep all bars the same. The only bars we changed was um, You Twats Bar. <laughs> we, we decided Sorry, that. Sorry, I that. <laughs> we decided, well, it's one of my friends who, who uh, came with that name, and I just said, he just said, guys love it, they come in the bar for a photo. I said, yeah, but the, that's like one drink. And that's like me saying, do you go into the bar, you twat? <laughs> yeah, and he had two pit bulls <laughs> outside. It doesn't work, does it? He had two pit bulls outside, and he was just like, guys love the pit bulls. I said, please, it's putting our customers off. They think they're going to like get killed by, yeah. by your pit bulls. And, but anyway, that guy ended up in jail. Um, he's back out now. But there was Amsterdamage. Do you remember Amsterdamage? Amsterdamage. Ooh. Truthfully, no, I can't remember that. That's one. called Pussy Club now. What oh, they okay. did is they, they did um, cubicles at the front, and then they were going to have a tie girl in each one. But the people who, who did that design, they don't realise that the Thai women are sociable. They want to be with each other. They don't want to be separate, yeah. know, like in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Like Farang women are happy to be independent. The girls want to eat some time together and chat. So they made these cubicles up and it just it just failed. But Amsterdam is a very difficult word to spell because it's a, it's a made up word really. And obviously, you know, you started off in Soy Six and with the Nightwish Bar, which then became the Nightwish Group. What gave you the incentive to, to grow the Nightwish Group to the status that it is now in 2021? Because obviously you know, you've got a lot of bars, and I will talk to you in a minute about some of the bars you've let go and the problems that we've had with COVID, etc. But I want to go back to when you first had Nightwish Bar and you thought, you know what, this is all right, you know, we're doing okay here. What made you take the next step? I'll tell you what happened. Um, when I bought Nightwish Group, uh, sorry, Nightwish Bar, Viking was a friend of mine from, on the forum. And he did this really good trip report and everyone loved it. So I said to him, why don't you come and work for us? Because I want to do my IT stuff like SEO. Mm -hmm. So the first few months I had to make sure I had the bar, make sure it was running, and then invite Viking across. So what I did is um, I got a million baht off um, a friend called Sully and a million baht off my dad. And then they put the money for the first bar. And then well, when I was running that, the sales were going up every day. I thought that I was going to make 20000 a month because that's all right. I needed to supplement my income. And then the sales were just going up every day. And, and the last lady that was um, the owner, she was getting mad about it because she could see how much money we were going to make. And then one guy came in and just says, I want to invest. And I said, yeah, okay then. See that bar over there, um, which was Amsterdam at the time. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I said, if you give me the money for that, then I'll give you thirty-three percent. So of both bars, make it all equal. And then once I bought that, another guy came up to me. They're all members of Bataar Addicts, and he says, I want to invest. And I said, see that building over there? <laughs> yeah. I want five point five million, and I'm going to renovate it, make it into a Bataar Addicts guest house. And okay. Thank God that that, biz, that one fell through because it was a terrible location. Right. And then they ended up getting Sex in the City, Horny Bar, and um, I think it was Offshore Bar yeah. with a 5.5, which was extremely good. Yeah, wow. And then I gave everyone 25%, including me. So when you've got these bars, I mean, who comes up with the names? How, do you all like sit around the table and go, right, okay, 
we've got another bar, we need another name, let's put some names in the hat and pull one out. I mean, how do you get these names? It's, we don't get that many new bars. We try and inherit the old name. I, I want to keep things the same if we can. Mm -hmm. People have a lot of memories attached to the names. We only put new names on when it's a new unit. Okay. So when it's a new unit, because um, four or five people can't decide a name, it's impossible. So what I do is I we come up with a list between our social media group and then a manager's group, and then we just try and see if there's any dead, you know, real good, real good ones in there. Yeah. And then I'll decide, or if everyone else is dead certain on another one, then okay. we decide. The, the name's not that important, I feel. It's more important to have just a clear name that ties in Frank and say. Yeah, and I guess the question has to be, at your peak, what's the most amount of girls you've employed? I think we had about 450 girls. Oh, yeah, really? One thing I want to talk about the growth of the group um, is that we, we, I brought bars next to each other. When I, when I got to two free bars, everyone said, that's it now, you can't have any more, you're diluting the amount of people you have. And I said, yeah, but you're thinking about Patriotics members. There's thousands of people mm. who have come to this town. Then I started buying bars next door to each other and everyone was like, you're going into competition with yourself. And I right. said, no, there's loads of benefits in with it. And I've proven it. Right now we've got, um, we're, we're one bar missing from eight units in a row. Right. Down, down Soy Six. Down Soy Six. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about the, the bars in Soy Six. And I know those of you that are watching, I know you've been sending in the questions and saying, oh, can you ask these questions, etc., etc." And one of the things that seems to be on the tip of everybody's tongue is the way that the demographic in Soy Six changed. Because when I first came here, Soy Six was always closed bars. It was just closed bars. The girls, the girls would sit outside in that little tiny little area. They'd smile and grab you and all the rest of it. And then you would go indoors and you'd be out in the public view. But the Nightwish group is completely different to that, isn't it? You are all open bars. I mean, what was the... I mean, it was, was it a brave move? Was it a stupid move? I mean, how, what made you do that? What made you change the demographic of Soy 6? When I went to Soy 6 for the first time properly, when I lived here, I was going to Brett's Bar. Do you remember Brett's Bar? It turned into Z Bar. Oh, now, yes, yeah, I know. Smoking Mirrors. Smoking Mirrors, yeah. Smoking Mirrors, yeah. Smoking Mirrors. It's the one on the left-hand side on the way down. Sorry, yes, I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah, so I used to go there and it, it ended up full because it was a, a big open bar. And then one day, one of the guys started going to Quickie Bar, which was um, half open. Right. And we could still get 20 guys there. And people were standing on the road. It was crazy. And then the lady from uh, Smoking Kisses and Smoking Mirrors, she she's the one that started opening the front up here and there. Okay, so it wasn't the White Nightwish group then? No, but I get the blame for everything down there. <laughs> <just> so um, <laughs> she she opened it up a little bit, and then a couple of other bars half opened it up. So when I bought Nightwish group, I thought I'm going to open up a little bit, but I was always aware of people saying that you need some. A back room. Mm. I opened up with a full and we couldn't get any more customers in and I thought well we need to open it a bit more don't we so then I opened it more which cost us twice as much because I didn't have the confidence and then I thought you know this backspace never gets used but everyone's telling me they want to use it mm. so then I took the backspace out as well and then we're at full all the time and then the next bar um, Sex in the City uh, sorry uh, Pussy Club we, we kept it closed and the sales were about 8,000 a day, sometimes 5,000. And whatever we did, we just couldn't get the sales up because, you know, the bars just shut in. And if yeah. we opened it up next day, 18,000 a day, you know. So I listened, 
what people say and what people do is two different things and what the market wants is what we try and give them so we don't open all these bars just to just to be pricks about things we we open it up because that's that's what people want and then more people come in one guy came up to me in pussy club and he said if you had this bar closed i would be in the back there buying the lady drink right now and he said you're missing out then he ordered a round of tequilas for the table I said, you've just proven your point. You've just bought the, the whole table around the tequilas, <laughs> yeah. and you're saying you would have been in the back there with one lady. I, I want guys to interact with ladies, but there's upstairs for things like that, mm. and there's there's uh, private places. And I mean, what about the people that come down Soy Six and it's an open bar, and I'm thinking, well, hang about, I don't want to be sat here because if like my missus or my missus mates walk past or whatever, I'm in a whole world of trouble. I mean, what about that kind of aspect where? I don't particularly want to be like in the public eye. There were bars down there that are closed, but nobody goes in them. But they've got the options if they want to. They can sit at the back of the bar. Um, Nature Bar, we're going to open the second floor soon. Oh, wow, okay. A lot of people don't like the loud music and they, they don't want to be, you know, I don't hear the one about not being seen by someone because you can always face it away. But I, I don't like loud music either, but I'm not, um, I'm a talker and I go places to talk to people, not to party. Okay, so, I mean, we're coming to the end of part one in a minute and uh, we'll, we're going to, lots more to discuss, so please stay tuned, ready for part two, which will be out very soon. And I've got lots of really great questions to ask you, Brian. Um, but I guess for me, like the, the closing part of part one, I have to go through this one with you, is there's a lot of talk right now about live streaming. It's... You know, I understand right now why you're doing it because you've got to support the girls and you've got to support the bar and still pay the bills. You know, I know you're not in all these units rent free and etc. So I know you've got a huge amount of overheads to cover. But my question has to be: What are you going to do when, let's say, COVID's now over and, and tourism res uh, has resumed? What are you going to do with all these live streams? Because if you're earning money now then surely as a businessman like yourself, you don't want to lose that revenue. Because even though there will be people here, there's still going to be people back home. What, what's your plan with live stream? We've, we've discussed this a few times. Um, there's, there's problems around town with payment systems at the moment. If we can get a payment system and we've got a way of um, you know doing it properly without getting banned, then we, we might continue it like upstairs in Nature Bar mm -hmm. or we can do it elsewhere. But I feel that the reason why it works at the moment is most guys know that those women are available. Mm -hmm. Whereas some guys, they're doing it in houses somewhere and you can never meet those girls. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just go on, you know, on the, on the porn websites if you're looking for stuff like that or dating websites. But, but what I like about us is that the party atmosphere, mm -hmm. the girls are interactive and you can meet them later. So to answer your question, at the worst it'll be in the corner of a bar, certainly not like it is now, and at the best we won't be doing it. We're, we're sick and tired of it, we hate it. Like People abuse us for it all the time. But when, when we went into this, I said, you know, as an entrepreneur, the staff come before my feelings. So I knew that we were going to get loads of abuse for it because we get attacked for everything anyway. <laughs> you do, yeah. So, so, <laughs> you are a target, aren't you? Let's be honest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's a lot of jealousy in this town and, and they don't know me. So yeah. everyone, some some people are like, we don't want to do it. Some of our managers says, you know, it's embarrassing. What about customer's privacy? I care about customer's privacy. And the, I made a point on a video that basically... 
that we delete the live streams after okay. and unless you're walking across and like your your wife or something is happening to be watching some ladies dancing yeah you know it's very unlikely anyway so I I, I don't want to do live stream anymore we hate it like every day we're having problems our business model has changed from being bar owners to being like IT guys trying to man- manage a bunch of gills mm. and there's so many problems with it every day like Bag was pulling his hair out yesterday. He's just fed up with it. There's not much hair left, is he? No, <laughs> he didn't last time I looked. He was like us. <laughs> Everyone's begging for the bars to open again. Yeah. So I think live streaming will, will be happy when it's gone. But at the same time, if it does make us money, maybe it'll be a segue to get new gills into our system. Mm. We get a new girl doing live streaming first, and then we bring her in. Okay, okay. So it might be it might be that sort of direction. Sure. All right. All right. Well, there you go. So that's coming to the end of part one here on Buzzing Patia. Uh, we're going to be back in a while. Please stay tuned. Look out for part two, where I'm going to take Brian down a future road, where we're going to be talking about COVID, post-COVID, what the changes are in the demographic here in the city. I mean, he's been here a long time been in business here a long time, knows a lot of people, so I want to know what Brian's thoughts are about how is Patia City going to develop, Walking Street, all those kind of things. All right, so that's it from me here on part one on the Coffee Chat Show. Thank you very much for watching, and I look forward to seeing you in part two.